Hey, I'm in a series today. I'm going to conclude this series about the miracles of Jesus just for right now, but it never concludes itself. The miracles of Jesus, as you look at Matthew chapter 8, beginning verse 1, is a subject that as a pastor and as a leader, I want to go more in depth in the days ahead. I'm just very convicted about this church family and to the family of God that's watching that we need more of an emphasis on the ministry of Jesus as far as his healing ministry, what it was and what it is today. It's not passed away. I know that a lot of people teach and preach in other churches, but that's not the situation here, that miracles and the supernatural of Jesus' healing ministry has it ended with the apostles, and it's just not something that I embrace. It's not something I can see. And I encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read the book of Acts, and I think you'll see the same thing. Just your heart will, will bear witness to the fact that that's true. Even though we have a lot of situations where a lot of people deal with sickness and people pass away, some people are healed. And again, there's not a lot of emphasis on healing ministry at all. I mean, a lot of churches and a lot of the, I've been studying a lot of churches recently. Uh, I was meeting with Jonathan and Sheila and discussing this recently. I've been studying a lot of the largest churches, a lot of churches in America. I'm going through their websites. I'm studying their structure because I want to benefit, you know, as a church in our own situation from others that are successful, but I've seen zero emphasis hardly at all. I've only seen one ministry out of all that I've studied that has an emphasis on healing, only one. And uh, right now I'm approaching nearly a hundred different churches and ministries. Well, there's basically two that, uh, that out of that, out of that, out of that number, even though there's a lot more churches than that in America, but at the hundred that I'm studying, there's only two and the other 98 are simply just avoiding the issue. Well, you know what? Jesus three things in the earth was what? Teaching, preaching, and what was the last thing? Healing. It was important to him then. It's important to him now. And let's just go back in time for a second in Matthew chapter eight, verse one, and look at Jesus' healing ministry and how it affects us today, in my opinion. Verse one, it says, when he come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him and behold, a leper came and worshiped him saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, again, this is a leper with a very severe disease. And he's asking a question that so many people are asking today, Lord, are you willing to make me heal or heal me? Are you willing to heal me? Is healing your will? And look what Jesus did in verse three. He not only spoke, but what's the first thing he did in verse number three? He put out his hand. Now, let's remember, as I said before, and always remember when you read Matthew 8, 1, verse 3 here, leprosy is a horrible thing. And Jesus, what's the first thing he does? He reaches out to this precious man and says in this saying, I am willing, be cleansed or be healed. And immediately leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priests and offer the gift of Moses, a commandment as a testimony to them. Isn't that awesome? I love what Jesus said there. See that you tell no one. What was he saying? Let the people see. Because leprosy is definitely a physical situation. Let people see the goodness of God. I love this. And in verse number five, that was the story again. Now, we got to remember something about the healing situation with the leper. He answers in this scenario and is captured for you and I, the will of God. And what is the will of God? Healing. Everybody say the will of God is healing. The will of God is healing. We clearly see that in verse number three. It is God's will to heal. 
And you say, well, Pastor Brian, I prayed and I'm not received that. Well, we're going to pray and we're going to still continue to believe and receive. We're going to fight the good fight of faith. Now, here's another spiritual thing I want to show you. And this is one of the, the, the main things I want to talk about today. Well, they're all main. But anyway, verse 5, this is where Jesus entered into Capernaum and a centurion came to him pleading with him. Now, watch this. This is a Roman leader. And he says in verse 6, he's saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus, what's Jesus say in verse 7? What's the will of God again? What's that phrase? I will come and what heal him. My will is healing. Say his will is healing. One more time. His will is healing. Notice what Jesus said, does in verse 8. Or verse 8 says this. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof. But what does he say? Speak a word. Notice this phrase. And my servant will be healed. So what's he doing here? He's saying, Jesus, you are a man of authority. And whatever you say will happen. And look what Jesus, I mean, look what he says in verse 9 to clarify this. For I am also a man under authority. I think this is so powerful of what this Roman centurion does. He says, Jesus, this this is all about authority. You are, you're in charge of what you're in charge of. I'm in charge of what I'm in charge of, in charge of. And then he explains it where he says in verse number nine, I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go and he goes to another one, come and he comes and to my servant, do this. And he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I love that. Jesus marveled and said, what, what did he say? And he said to those following him, surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. Why did Jesus marvel at this man? Because this man had an understanding of authority. And ladies and gentlemen, to really get it down to where my pastor peers are, my friends are, and to where the body of Christ is, we do not have a revelation of spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is extremely powerful in understanding that we have the right to be healed because healing was not only paid for on the cross in atonement. It was paid for by the precious body, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid for not only our salvation on one side of this atonement, he also paid for the redeeming of our body on the other. And we're going to get that to a second, but complete absolute distancing of healing when it comes to a healing in the atonement. Pastors do not believe that. They believe that Jesus healed then but does not heal now. I know that we fight that and I understand that there is a complete uh, distancing from it in the body of Christ, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's real and it should be taught. It should be demonstrated. There should be healing schools. There should be healing ministries brought forth, but they're simply not. But look at verse 14. However, I'm going to change that in my world and what I can do in the days ahead. I'm deeply convicted by it. Even though I get distracted by many things in many situations, I can ever, once I'm still and when I'm really seeking God, I always comes back to me about this healing ministry. I can't escape it. And even though people have passed away, the month of July was hard on us as a church. June, we had some people pass away. My dear friend, Pastor Krauss, went into a battle with cancer. He never improved. He got worse and worse and worse to the point where he left. And, you know, I had to deal with that personally and individually. I mean, when you're, you, when you're with a man who's a leader in your life, your pastor, he deals with this. A man I considered Superman as far as you never thought he would be sick. And then all of a sudden, boom, he goes into this situation and then he's gone. And here I am standing, what do I believe? You know, I mean, really, it had an effect on me. What do I believe? I mean, you know, uh, this is the month of August, and just in the month of January, standing in this very spot, he was preaching. And now he's in heaven. 
And you know, this was a leader in my life. This was a, a force of leadership, of accountability, of support to me. And you know, what do you do? And what do you do with others that have passed away in your life suddenly or unexpectedly or people that were dealing with disease and then finally the disease, you know, succumbs? I realize there's healing on the other side. Thank God for a believer. The moment that spirit leaves the body, man, they're in peace. They're in heaven. They're with Jesus. It's all good. I mean, you know, compared to the unbeliever, whoa, what a, what a, what a glorious moment for the believer to pass on to the other side. But what about us here and now? Jesus was so beautiful in his ministry. In verse number 14, I love what he did here in, in honoring his healing ministry. He was, Jesus came into Peter's house. By the way, Jesus wants to come to your house. <laughs> I had to throw that phrase in there. And he, saw, and he saw his wife's mother, his mother-in-law. He saw Peter's wife's mother lying sick with a fever. Now, this is not just a little fever with Advil or Tylenol. This, I believe, is translated as a major fever, okay? This was a real severe sickness. And what does Jesus do in verse 15? In the other, in the other time, he just spoke the word and, and healed her. I healed the man's uh, servant. And then with the uh, leper, he touched him. But Jesus, what did he do? He, he touched him. He touched her and the fever left her and she rose and served them. Wasn't that awesome? He just simply touched her. All kinds of variable ways that Jesus heals and still heals today, in my opinion. But look what he does here in after verse 16. And when evening come, they brought to him many that were demon-possessed. And what does he do in verse number 16? He cast out all these spirits with the word, and he healed. Notice this phrase. He healed all that were sick. And it says, beginning in verse number 17, watch this. It says, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that he himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. I've asked them to go to Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 5 in the Amplified Bible. I want to show you something here. If they'll get to that, there it is. And this confirms what's said here in Matthew chapter 17. Notice what it says. It says, surely Jesus, this is, the, this is the prophecy of Jesus doing what he did in Matthew chapter 8. He says, surely he has borne our griefs. Now notice the phrase there. It says, grief, sickness, weakness, and distresses. So Jesus bore those, carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, afflicted of God, as with leprosy. Notice how awful leprosy is. But Jesus bore the sickness. He bore the sin. And notice what it says in verse number 50, uh, 55. He says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The, the was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needed to attain peace and well-being for us was upon him. Watch this and with the stripes that wounded him in the Roman hall, we are healed and made whole. Isn't that beautiful? Now, a lot of people say that's spiritual healing only. And so here's my debate with them. I don't debate them anyway, but here's my position in that. If that's spiritual healing only, then why, why would God put all of that on Jesus, as horrible as sin is, and this curse of sin in the earth? Why would it just by the mercy of God that when Jesus was arrested, they just, you know, spirit, put a spear in his heart and he died right there when he was arrested? Why did he have to go through all that humiliation to be beaten in that hall and then carried that cross up there and to be crucified? crucified. And the crucifixion is the most horrible death, in my opinion, a person could face. I mean, Jesus faced the, naturally speaking, the most horrible price a, pu a person could pay as far as, you know, the punishment that was given to him. But he paid the price, not for us just to go to heaven, but to have a body on this, on this earth so that the gospel of the kingdom could be preached out of this body. Because the number one thing Satan wants to do with sickness and disease is to get you out of that body and get 
get you into eternity because as long as you're in that body, you're a threat and a damaging part to his kingdom. Because you have breath, you have life, and when you understand the authority as a child of God that you have, not in your name, but in Jesus' name and his power, I'm telling you what, you get a revelation of that and it changes your life, then Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship with you. And you find out what God discovered you to be, and that is to be a minister of his. That it's not just the apostles or the 70 or the 120. It's you praying for someone. It's you speaking the name of Jesus to someone. It's not about your four and no more. It's you being able to do what the man did in Nick's life and giving him the money. Sometimes, I'm telling you what, as great as $1,000 was to Nick and Sarah at that time, sometimes the prayer of faith and believing is priceless. Is it not? Teaching somebody to walk in faith and believe in God or putting your hands on someone and simply praying the prayer of faith and agreeing with them for healing is priceless. And right now, you know, that's, that's where I am. I want to fulfill what Isaiah did and what Jesus did in fulfilling Isaiah on the cross. And Galatians 3.13 says, he's redeemed us from the curse of sickness. He's made us free from sickness and disease. Is sickness, disease a predominant thing in the earth? I think it is, more so than ever. Even though we have great doctors and great, you know, medication and medicines that are out there, thankful for that, so thankful for that. But I'm also, I'm also convicted of the fact that as good as that is, as good as the healing ministry of the Lord is far greater than medicine. You know, what would, uh, being healed without side effects is awesome, is it not, <laughs> in my opinion? And, uh, you know, the supernatural power of God, plus medical industry is just out of control when it comes to expense now. And, uh, but like with Pastor Krause, I mean, I didn't know what to do. I watched him go from being diagnosed, then all of a sudden, one cancer treatment after another, and they literally cut him up, burned him up, and then he died. He just died. He get, I mean, they brought him to a point emotionally where he was in so much pain because of all they did to him that it literally killed him and made him have the desire to pray a prayer. And one, his prayer was this, Jesus, come get me. Jesus came within about 18 hours and got him, and it's over with. And he's in heaven now. And I'm going to tell you something. It laid a lot on me dealing with that personally. I mean, I had to really look internally to what do you believe and why do you believe it? And how are you going to approach this situation the days ahead? And so I'm sharing out of my heart, but I'm also, you know, I have gone back. I've looked at these things. I've looked at Jesus' ministry. I've looked at my own ministry. I've looked at these things that I believe. I've looked at my own body and I've looked at yours as far as, you know, believing God for you. I'm I'm just not going to back down or back off. I've talked to some of my peers, even this past week, we just don't want to touch it. We don't want to go there. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. We got plenty of other things to pray about and talk, I mean, preach about, excuse me. Let's preach on marriage. Let's preach on forgiveness. Let's preach on this. Let's preach on financial, believe in God financially. Let's preach on revelation. Those are all good subjects. Thank God for all those subjects. But I had lunch Friday and they don't want to talk about it. No, we don't want to talk about that. Don't understand it. Uh, yeah, I have even, every, even agreeing with me that they believe that healing is for today, but they don't want to talk about it. Don't want to deal with it. And, uh, if you want to deal with it, that's your business. We don't want to talk about it because it's just, uh, we don't believe that, 
you know, God heals today is what they're trying to tell me. I said, but the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In these two hands, I have laid hands on people in my past, and some people have been supernaturally healed, and some people have not. But now what do I do with those that I know 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 they were healed? I know they were healed. I know they were healed. I know they were healed. Yes, I prayed for people and they were not healed. But on the other hand, I know that they were healed. I'll never forget Miss Jean Harper. This is a couple years ago. She's sitting in the back. She was in extreme pain. But Miss Jean absolutely would come here regardless of the situation. She was determined to be in this church. And so she came on a Sunday and her husband, Mr. Harper, brought her and she was in extreme pain. I had a word of knowledge that black people were being healed of back pain. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I just knew that people need to be healed like that. We've done that before. And so I just prayed that prayer. I didn't touch her. I just called it out. I said, Jesus, I thank you for what you put in my heart. I know that's going to happen. Do you know that that woman said there was a warm glow came on her back and she's healed? And she's never had a back problem since then, basically, to that nature. Isn't that awesome? And I could go down the line. I've seen other people heal. Then I prayed with people with all the intensity and fervency I knew how in my heart, and they got worse. <laughs> I mean, they got worse. You know, you think, oh my God, I think I hurt them. I didn't help them, you know. Oh my Jesus, you know, you know me, I love people. I mean, you know, I don't want to dare hurt another human being. The only thing I will hurt is a snake. Other than that, everything, other, all other animals are on the top of the chart. Snakes, I'm going to kill them, okay? I'm going to shoot them, kill them, stomp them, bury them, burn them. That's it, okay? I am not a snake man. And don't you dare. Somebody invited me to their house the other day. I've got a snake in my house as a pet. Pastor Brian ain't coming. <laughs> Pastor Brian, you're scared of snakes. I'm not scared of snakes. I got authority over snakes. But I'll bring my shovel and my hoe and I'll kill your pet Freddy snake, okay? And then I'll talk to you. My point with all that is, I, I, listen, I'm a man of compassion and I love people. I want to help people. And I, I believe, though, that I want to see this percentage change. And I need your help in doing that. Hey, just to John chapter, John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Let's go there. And then, um, I'm, well, I hate to close. I can't close this subject, but this is where I'll leave it. And we'll let you think about it. And we'll talk about it some more later at the appropriate time. John chapter 5. Notice what this, this is one of my, my favorite, well, they're all my favorite. But in John chapter 5, if, if y'all don't mind, can y'all have that in the, in the, in the King James Version. Can you help me with that? I know you have it in the, would that mess you up to switch versions? Thank you so much. Uh, John chapter 5 in the King James Version. Now these are 15 verses. Just bear with me now. Okay, just let me close with this. And hey, by the way, I'm just trying to be transparent, okay? Please hear my heart. I'm not up here saying I know it. I've arrived. Please, this has been a summer of questions. It's been a summer of dealing with a lot of things, okay? I love people. I love my pastor. I love people. I love John Cook. I love Virginia Bauer. I love my dad. I love my Doug Weed. So there are some other ministers or friends of mine I've loved dearly. They've gone on to be with the Lord. I'm, I'm searching, okay? I've got some other minister friends of mine that are dealing with some, some things that are just, just not good, okay? And we're not seeing any progress in that area, in the natural. But anyway, that doesn't change in uh, John chapter 15, verse 1. I mean, John 5, 1. That's Luke 7, 1. I'm sorry, John 5, 1. 
John 5, 1 in the King James. That's everybody, we're going to be patient with this. He's going to get this up there. John 5, 1. Taylor is doing a really good job. Isn't he awesome? A man on the spot. Anyway, I'm sorry. This is just, I, I got to read it out of this version. And because uh, this will help you to answer a question. And I'll leave it with that. Now, this is an interesting story here as he's getting to it. This is where Jesus is actually... Uh, going into this situation and uh, in this area. Watch this in John chapter 5. You almost there? There we go. John chapter 5, verse 1. Um, I can read it too. There you are. All right, watch this. Now just follow along. Everybody watch this. Here we go. There was a feast of the, Jew- there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus was going to Jerusalem. So picture Jesus on this. He's on this, on this road to Jerusalem. He's going to this feast. Verse number 2. Watch this now. And there was a Jerusalem by the sheep market. There was this pool in the Hebrew tongue is called Bethesda and having five porches. All right. So, so picture this with me. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. There's these five porches. Okay. This extensions of where this quote healing water was. Look at what it says in verse number three. Or just keep scrolling. It says, and they're laying a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse number four. As the angel went down at a certain season, the pool and troubled the water. Watch this. Whosoever first stepped in, I'm sorry, whosoever then first after the troubling water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease they had. So a whosoever was healed of whatsoever when they stepped in the water. So check this out in verse number five. And then a certain man, he had an infirmity or sickness for 38 years. Everybody say 38 years. Now, 38 years is a long time, is it not? Let's all agree with that, okay? I mean, what, look, we want instant now, don't we not? When we go through McDonald's, we want that happy meal at the end. And if they don't have it right, we're we are in a mood, okay? Well, anyway, this man's been dealing with this for 38 years. And look at verse number six. And Jesus saw him lie and knew, everybody say knew. No, he knew that he'd been in a long time in this case. So here's the compassion of Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? This is in the New King James, bear with me. It says, but will you be made whole? Everybody say that. Will you be made whole? Now notice verse number seven, watch this. And the impotent man answered and said, sir, when the water is troubled, there's no one to put me in the pool, whether I'm coming and another step in before me. Verse number, uh, verse number 10. And Jesus said to him, what? Rise, take up your bed and walk. And notice what happens here. And immediately the man was made whole. He took up his bed and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh. Watch what happens in verse number 10. And the Jews said to him that cured, that said to him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Okay, here's the religious idiots. Notice what they say in verse number 12. These bunch of fools said what? In verse number 12. I mean, verse number, and then he answered and he said, he answered them and said, he that made, he didn't know Jesus, who Jesus was. He made, he who made me whole, the same said unto me, take up my bed and walk. And look at the next verse. <laughs> they asked him, he said, what man is that that would say unto you, take up your bed and walk? And verse number 13. And he said, he, it was he that, and he that was, G, that heal, oh, this is cute, was with not, <laughs> nobody uses those words. Anyway, who was, what Jesus had conveyed himself away in the multitude began. That don't even make sense. Anyway, move the first verse is the King James. I mean, I think the King James, they were out, they drink a little bit too much wine when they were translating this, in my opinion. All right. They're probably rolling that doobie on the side too. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm serious. I mean, have you ever studied the people in the New King James? Did you even look at the clothes they wore? Oh my gosh. 
There was some strange people back then. All right, I love that. They probably think we're strange now too, okay? Anyway, I mean, King, King Henry VIII, man, there was some weird people back then, okay? And they're sitting there translating the word of God. Anyway, all right. After when Jesus findeth him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you are made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto you. And notice the next verse. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus that had made him whole. Points I want to make here quickly is, G- number one, Jesus knows who you are in the midst of others. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that awesome? Never forget that. Never forget that. Never, 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 never forget that. Listen, you go back and read it in the New King James or whatever version, and hopefully you'll get the point. My question is, he's asking that same question today. Will you be made whole? Next point is, number, no matter how long it takes, never give up on God. No matter how long it takes, never give up on God. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I don't care what's facing. If you need encouragement, contact me, please. Let's stand together. Number three, position yourself to receive from God. Don't run from him, run to him. Position yourself to receive. Receive from God. Sometimes it is a fight of faith, and sometimes that faith is work. I mean, and what I mean by work, you've got to stand against everything that's coming at your mind. You've got to stand in everything that's coming against your body. You've got to come at things that are just absolutely pushing you down and pushing you away. But you just don't know after 38 years or 38 days how Jesus can break through and be that. He spotted that man out of all those people. And he said to him, hey, will you be made whole? Wholeness is nothing missing and nothing broken. That's the translation. That's the reason why I wanted to read it out of King James, because it uses the phrase, will you be made whole? Other version says, will you be made well? Which is the same thing, but Jesus is after wholeness. It says in Colossians 2.10, it says we're complete in him who's the head of all principality and power. And I got people that believe that verse and say that we're complete in him when we get to heaven. No, we're not. We're complete in him right now on this earth. Heaven is a great place. Thank God for heaven. But God did not create you to live a life on the earth of misery and being second. He called you to be first in your life and in the fact that you have a sense of authority and destiny and absolute power over your life to do the right thing, to do the best thing for your life in the will of God according to the will of, and the word of God. Number four, and the, well, the next point is, I'm sorry, next, the next one. And... Well, yeah, well, I only, yeah, I'm sorry. I only gave you so many. Yeah, I added some more points on there. And the last one is the goodness of God is, related, is better than the religion of man. Religion will put you down every single time. But faith in God will put you to a place where it's, it's, you'll see the goodness of God. Isn't it terrible what these religious people did to him? accusing this man, didn't even, this man had been sick for 38 years and the religious people said, no, 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 no. You know, you, you just, you, you took up your bed on the Sabbath, you broke the rules. Isn't, isn't it terrible? And I'm not, and by the way, there's religious people out there today. Religious people, in my opinion, in my opinion, are people that don't understand a relationship with God. And I have a relationship with God. I want to strengthen your relationship with God. I want to empower you to have a better relationship with God. That's everything that I do here. Everything that I desire in your life is around that one sentence. 
for you to have a better relationship with God and understand that he is for you and not against you. He has a divine way of doing things, and that divine way is the best way. And so let's pray here. And again, I'm going to continue exercising what I believe is the right for us as believers, and especially as a minister of God, that healing belongs to you. Healing belongs to us. If you know anybody that's sick, let them come here. I want to talk to them. I may not necessarily can do it right here in the service, but I'd like to take the time. Listen, if we go to a doctor, we get in the doctor's office and we meet with them individually and they go through a scenario of examinations. Well, I'm not here to examine someone necessarily, but I'm here to talk with someone, take the scriptures and pray the prayer of faith and believe Jesus, the healer of yesterday is the same healer for today. Okay, and please, if you need to go to a doctor, I'm all for you. I'll drive you, doctor, and if you need some help, I'll help you pay your copay or pay for your visit. That's, that's, that's all on me. But I will also want you to sit down and take the scripture and take the time instead of watching reruns of Gilligan's Island and, you know, whatever, Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> you come over here and, and look at the word of God and see what God is saying because God's not changed. If healing was not a part of the ministry of Jesus in the earth today, then he should have never wrote the book of Acts because it never stopped during that time. In the book of Acts, they were going forth in two things. They were taking the name of Jesus and the authority of Jesus, and they were ministering to people in that place, in that position. And that has not changed it is not changed, and that why would we sit there and say that the apostles were a special group of people? God does not have favorites. He loves every single one of us. Every single one of us are special in the eyes of God. Nobody is above another person as far as in the love of God and what God has planned for them. I'm, yes, there's leadership and there's structure and there's hierarchy in the kingdom of God. Yes, there are. But you know what? Thank God for Peter and James and John and all those guys. They got to walk with Jesus and represent him when, when he was on the earth. I get to walk with him now when he's in heaven, see at the right hand of God, filled with the spirit of God and the, the, the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling on the inside of you and I and go forth in that. I want to be the group that brings him back. I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for that hole in the sky and Jesus coming back on a white horse. I'm looking for victory, not for an escape. I'm looking for the triumphal church to rise up and be the very church in the book of Acts. In that time frame, they did what they were supposed to do. We can do even greater with all this technology we have. Isn't it great what we have as far as technology? And I want to use to that very most degree. And I'm thankful for what we have. I'm thankful for the people watching, the people will be watching. I want to do greater, will do greater in the days ahead. And I'm asking you to help join me on this representation of his ministry. And so if that person comes to you and says, hey, would you, I'm dealing with this sickness, won't you just offer a moment of prayer? If you don't feel comfortable with that yet, you give them my name and my number. Let me pray for them. Healing belongs to us, and I want to enforce it because it's not a question if it's a God's will. It's a question of is it, it is his will, and how can we receive it? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you did for us 2,000 years ago. You have not changed, and you will never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. For every person in this auditorium that's dealing with any sickness or any kind of disease of any type and those watching, I thank you right now that in Jesus' name, we believe and receive right now. Let's all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, your will is healing. I receive your healing power from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. No sickness, no disease has any right to live in my body. I was made whole 2,000 years ago. Healing is a purchased thing by your blood, Lord Jesus. 
and I receive it right now. I command my body from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet to submit itself to Jesus' authority, to his name, and to what he's done for me. I believe I receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus, we have prayed the prayer of faith. We thank you for touching people right now, even in these seats, even those watching, even those who go forth in this place tonight. We thank you as as a point of contact right now. We believe and receive by the anointing of the Spirit of God. We thank you that you're a healer and that you want to make us whole, not only in our body, but in our mind, in our emotions, and even in our very inner being. I thank you for wholeness in Jesus' name. For those that are dealing with depressive thoughts, that those are dealing with tormenting thoughts, with those that are dealing with things of the mind in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the wholeness of the Lord right now. Those thoughts in Jesus' name of darkness, those thoughts of deception, those things of twistedness and perverted things that would try to rob you of the peace and joy of God in your life. I come against those in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And we receive healing of your mind, healing in your thought area, and healing in your body. For every person in the sound of my voice has had the the accusations of you've done this and you've done that. You can't receive your healing. You can't receive your freedom because of this and because of that. The blood of Jesus, the mercy and grace of God is greater than any sin, any failure, and any circumstance in your life. May you receive that right now in Jesus' name. You're not called to be a failure. You're called to be a child of the living God in Jesus' name. And finally, I just want to remind everybody that the mercy and the grace of God is greater than anything in your life. And we receive that mercy and grace right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, concerning our extended family and those that are close to us that are going through situations of confusion, some of those are in rebellion, I want to thank you right now in Jesus' name. Your mercy and your kindness and the very power of the name of Jesus be spoken over them right now. Chains be broken, lives be loosed, and freedom be received in Jesus' name. Salvation come to our households in Jesus' name. Lord, we praise you right now that you're Jesus, you're a king of victory. You're a Lord of victory. And we're a people of victory in you. And I thank you, Lord God, for every person that has made the time to come here this Sunday morning. As we're dismissed, I'm asking you to bless their relationship with you. May they have the greatest week of their life. And for everything that's come against them, I thank you that you give them the steps to show them the way of victory. For husbands and wives and marriages right now, I pray for strengthening unity. And I pray for the bond of of conformity to each other. That together we're stronger than we are split apart. That as a team, as a force, as a husband and wife, we can do all things through you in raising our children and in loving our families and doing what you've called us to do. I thank you that Metroplex Family Church is a place of healing, a place of freedom, a place of divine things happening for the glory of God. We're not an institution of religion. We're not a place where we just come and socialize. We're a place that week after week we encounter the presence of the living God and the living God is in us and the living God goes with us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Your pastor is uh, motivated today. (laughs) So, and I love you dearly. And I want you to be everything God's called you to be.
And what has been a loss to you, may God restore it back to you seven times in every area. May the calling of God be fulfilled on your life. And what you have lost, may it be stolen back, be restored back to you. Because God is not forgetful. He does not have dementia. He has not lost his mind. He loves you, and what was taken from you belongs back to you. And if you feel the calling of God upon your life and you feel like I've missed it, well, I'll tell you this. Let's don't look back. Let's look forward. You need to focus forward on what he's called you to do. Great is the purpose for your life. You're not called to be famous. You're not called to be, you know, a celebrity. You're called to be a child of God. Nothing wrong with being those things, but let me tell you something. Those things can never satisfy other than finding your place in God. You don't know her name, but Moses' mother is a great woman of God. And one day we'll get the chance to meet Moses' mother because she helped prepare him to set Israel free. What a great calling we have as mothers, grandmothers, fathers, parents, friends. What about the precious man that had that healing meeting? I mean, that, that, that one crusade revival meeting on a Tuesday night. A Tuesday night. Everybody laughed at him and said, you can't have no you know, revival meeting on a Tuesday night. Ain't nobody come. Well, there was about a handful of 50 to 75 people came on a Tuesday night. And there was a young man that was brought by two of his friends. Notice that, brought by two of his friends on a Tuesday night. And the young man was William Franklin Graham. And he got up out of his seat and he came down front. And at the end of that service, that William Franklin Graham, known as Billy Graham, gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ because two of his friends brought him on a Tuesday night. And that man changed the destiny of this world when it came to the preaching of the gospel. I'm telling you, you just never know what, how an impact you can be. Those two friends brought that man to the Lord, and that minister who ministered tonight was almost tempted to cancel the service because nobody showed up that Sunday night, and he said, or Monday night, and he said, why should I extend this meeting anymore? But on Tuesday night at 7.48, I believe was the time, North Carolina time, William Franklin Graham knelt down at that altar and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And history has never been the same since. I'm a product of what happened that night. Of all the people that have influenced me the most, Billy Graham is top of the line. I've never cried any more than I've cried in a Billy Graham crusade. Every Billy Graham crusade that I went to and worked for, when he sang Just As I Am, I went down front, Richard, and I just want to get saved all over again. Dr. Graham probably thought I was an idiot standing there. I was the first standing there front and just front like this in my hands. He said, what are you doing, Brian? You're supposed to be helping me with people, not down here like this. Because it was such an anointing of God. And, and there's nothing more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Salvation and, and coming to know Him as Lord and Savior is the most important thing there is. That God would save a sorry soul as mine. I mean, sorry. Even though I was making money and, and all this mess, He would save my soul and make me whole and call me into the ministry. A guy couldn't even speak. Could not even talk to people. It was so insecure and so shy and so introverted. And look at me now, I can't even shut up. I used to hate people. I just didn't like people. You're bothering me. And now I love people. I go to Walmart sometimes and walk around just loving on people. And I go to Walmart the other day, I didn't buy anything. I just walked down there, I was smiling at people. And gave people money. People like that. <laughs> I mean, they really do. Amy's probably wondering in the books, why are we all this cash going out that says benevolence? Because I'll take $100 cash and go down to Walmart. Just walk up to someone and give them $20. 
I didn't say, God bless you. I didn't give him a track. I didn't give him anything. I just said, here's a $20 bill. Have a good day. Because I love people. I want the best for them. 